California. This is Erica and Donuts. And you are tuned into KDRT 95.7 Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. Oh. Moo! All right, and today we are going to have, we have Tanjal in the studio with us today. We will have uh, the TCS radio production class with us, and they are going to show us our processes. Sorry, their processes. And yeah, we'll go ahead and listen to the first one right now. falling from the sky. Raindrops fall to earth and clouds become separated or filled with water droplets. Cloud droplets in the early stage of raindrop creation rely mostly on the continuous absorption of water around the cloud body to produce their own condensation. If the water gas inside the cloud body can be regularly supplied and replenished so that the surface of the cloud droplet is frequently oversaturated, then the condensation process will continue and the cloud droplets will grow in size and become raindrops. However, the water content inside the cloud is often limited, and water is often in low supply within the same cloud, making it impossible for each cloud droplet to grow into a larger raindrop, and some smaller droplets must be merged into the largest one. This condensation growth process will be substantially enhanced if water droplets and ice crystals cohabit within the cloud. As the cloud droplets reach a particular size and weight, they will not only catch up with the slower droplets throughout their descent, but they will also consume more small droplets to strengthen themselves due to the increasing size and weight of the giant droplets. When the large cloud droplets get too large for the air to contain, they will fall from the clouds directly to the ground, forming our common type of ring. There are numerous additional intriguing ring things besides acid ring. For example, animal ring. Water spouts started out as vortex or columns of rotating, cloud-filled wind. As the vortex descends over an ocean or lake, small aquatic animals may be swell up in the water spouts funnel. Changes in pressure and wind force, the water spout to change back into a low-lying cloud. Empty precipitation, including any creatures, swept up in the water spouts over a nearby landmass. In 1894, newspaper in England reported a ring of tadpoles. In 2009, a storm brought a ring of minnows down on Ishikawa, Japan. At the end, I hope that my description of the ring can make everyone like raining days better. Thank you. And now we are going to have our next student come in and show you their process. I thought, thought you had run out of fools. Oh, but I was so wrong. There is a beautiful thing about making your cup of coffee in the morning. We 
waking up and thinking about the perfect way to start your day with a seeping hot cup of delicious coffee. Focusing on the art of creating a perfect cup of coffee using a French press. A French press is an immersion brew of coffee. To get started, let's first pull out a French press. And of course, gather our coffee beans. Secondly, measure how much coffee you want. Ensure that your grounds are coarse. Boil your water. It is important to make sure the boiling water scorches the grounds. We need to get the temperature just right. Pour hot water into the press and then stir. Now we're going to grab the lid and place it on the French press. But don't press it just yet. Now we wait four minutes. Now that our four minutes is up, we're gonna press slowly and then pour and enjoy is the perfect way to start your day. All right, and there you go. That's how you make your cup of coffee. And now we're gonna have our next student come up and show their process. There we go. Everybody <laughs> loves coffee in the morning. Except this one, we're gonna do a classic drip coffee. So let's go. As we all know, weekday mornings can be pretty hectic. So instead, let's do a classic drip coffee to slow down your Thursday morning. Let's start with your choice of coffee beans and pour them into a grinder. Now grind the beans until your preferred coarseness. Now grab your favorite coffee mug and place the filter cone right on top. Now place the paper filter inside the cone. Now grab a spoon and pour in your desired amount of coffee. Now that your coffee is ready to go, let's boil our water. Now the most relaxing part. Pour the hot water over the coffee using slow circular motions.
Now you have the perfect cup of coffee to enjoy the rest of your morning. Once again, my name is Talia and thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Talia. There you go. That's how you make a drip coffee. Two coffees down and many more to go. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to have our next student come in and show you their process. And yeah, let's go. Tomato scrambled eggs is a popular Chinese dish made with tomatoes and eggs. To make this dish, you need to prepare three eggs, two medium-sized tomatoes, some white sugar, salt, cooking oil, and ketchup. The first step is to cut the tomatoes into small pieces and set them aside. Then, crack the eggs into a bowl and beat them lightly with a fork or chopsticks. And add a pinch of salt in it. Then, heat the cooking oil in a pan over medium heat and pour the beaten eggs. When the eggs has just turned solid, pour it out on a plate and set aside. Then add the tomatoes into the pan and stir fry for a few minutes until they start to soften and release their juices. Then. Pour the solid eggs in the pan and add some ketchup in it. Stir fry them together with the tomatoes until the eggs are fully cooked. Finally, turn off the heat and add salt to taste. Then you finish it. Enjoy your delicious homemade tomato scrambled eggs. It tastes even better with rice. Thank you. No, thank you. That sounded delicious. Yeah, very anime core. I very much enjoyed that. And now to our next student. And if you can go ahead and introduce yourself as well. Hello, this is Jimmy, and I'm going to talk about how to cook better instant ramen. And here we go. Instant ramen, also as known as instant noodles, is a quick and easy meal that can be prepared in just a few minutes. People have their own secrets in cooking instant ramen, and I'm here to tell you the best and simplest method to cook and boost the flavor of instant ramen. First, boil water. Fill a medium-sized pot with 17-ounce water and bring it to a rolling boil over high heat. Add the soup powder and vegetable flakes from the instant ramen packet to increase the boiling point of the water. Once the water starts boiling, making big bubbles, it is time for the next step. Next, add noodles. Add the instant ramen noodles to the pot of boiling water and let them cook for about 3-4 minutes. Then, 
Stir and cook. Use a fork or chopsticks to stir the noodles and seasoning until everything is well combined. After cooking the noodles for five minutes, place only the noodles on the bowl. Then add toppings. If you want to add toppings like vegetables or protein, you can do so now. Common toppings include sliced scallions, chopped cilantro, thinly sliced carrots, and cooked shrimp or chicken. What I suggest is adding chopped scallions and stirred eggs into the soup. Boil for an extra minute, then it is set. Now serve and enjoy. Once the eggs mixed and are cooked, turn off the heat and transfer the soup to a bowl where the noodles are resting. Now you can enjoy it. It is important to note that instant ramen should be consumed in moderation, as it is often high in sodium and preservatives. If you do not like scallions or eggs, consider adding some other fresh veggies or protein to make it a more balanced meal. Have a good one, Davis. All right, there you go, instant ramen. Thank you so much. That sounds delicious. Donya, are you getting hungry? Yes, so hungry, and I'm fasting. Ramadan Kareem, Davis! <laughs> All right, and now we're going to have our next student come in, and they are going to show you their process. KDRT-FM95.7。我是你们的新主持人查理·布朗·龙卷风。好,我希望每一个人都有一个愉快的早晨。现在你们回家睡觉吧。Today's topic is the recipe I will share to all the listeners of KDRT. It is the recipe of the oven-cooked thick-cut steak dinner. Before the cooking started, I will show you all the ingredients we need to prepare for. Okay, first of all, the steak itself. As the thick-cut steak, I recommend a two pounds, two to two and a half inch uh, ribeye steak. When you choose the steak, make sure you choose the one with just a little bit more fat because that's what makes the steak not dry, which is what we want. And then, as this is the laziest but effective uh, recipe you ever hear, the only other things we need are olive oil, salt, and pepper. Take the steak out of the fridge before cooking and let's put the salt and pepper on. Make sure to cover every area with your good massage. Then let's heat up the olive oil in a pan and put the steak in on one side and leave it there for two minutes. The crust of the steak will usually form between one to two minutes on the first side on medium or high fire. If you're not sure, make sure to check it every minute. Then let's flip it to the other side for another 2 minutes. For another 30 seconds, let's help the stick to stand up so the fatty side is covered in the shower of hot olive oil. After this, we can put the stick into the oven 250 Fahrenheit for 40 minutes. Bon appetit! Thank you so much. Now we're going to get ready to get our next guest up in here so they can introduce themselves before they play. 
Hi, I'm Rachel, and this is my process mix. Consumers, I think. Anyways, here are the ingredients you'll need. Hey everyone, it's Rachel. Have you ever been hungry but also broke? Well, fear no more because I'm here to talk about how to cook Korean instant ramen. Shout out to us college students because we're the biggest ramen consumers, I think. Anyways, here are the ingredients you'll need. Egg, kimchi, green onions, and of course, the main star of the show, Korean instant ramen package of your choice. I personally go with shin ramen. All right. Step one is to get a pot and fill it with water halfway or use about two cups. Good? Good. Okay, step two is to put the pot on the stove and turn on the stove. Step three is to immediately put in the soup and dried vegetable package right away. Step four is when the water starts to boil, go ahead and put the noodles in. Step five is to walk around and wait. You can also make sure the noodles are cooked well by using your chopsticks and stirring it. Step 6 is within the last minute adding in your egg. And remember to stir it. Step 7, make sure the noodles are cooked well and to your liking just by trying it. If it's too soft, you overcooked it and you'll know if it's just right if the noodles were cooking for like 3 to 5 minutes. Step 8, chop up your green onions and serve. And the last and final step, and this is mandatory, but if you gotta cut up some kimchi to have as a side while eating, and you of course gotta slurp your noodles. Now, you have your beautiful, delicious, hearty ramen meal that has the balance of protein, veggies, and yes, a large amount of sodium, but having it for dinner with these things should not be bad at all. Thanks for listening and hope you go to your grocery store and find that ramen package. All right, thank you so much, Rachel. Now we know how to make ramen several ways. You guys are really making me hungry out here. It is, I am suffering. <laughs> and we're gonna have our next guests come in and they're gonna introduce themselves right before they play their process. Okay. Hello, my name is Noah and I'm about to show you a process mix for making spaghetti nice. so here we go all right i'm going to explain how to make spaghetti what you first want to do is get a saucepan and make sure to fill it with water around halfway or maybe slightly more it doesn't really make that much of a difference after you've done that you're going to want to place it on the stove top and turn the stove top to around medium heat let it sit there for a couple minutes until you notice the water inside of the saucepan begin boiling once it begins boiling you're then going to want to get your spaghetti noodles like of any sort it can be regular size angel hair and then what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to take that and take some of the noodles you may have to break them in half to make them fit and then place them inside of the actual saucepan as the water inside of the pan is boiling. You're then going to want to let the noodles sit in there and you're probably gonna wanna stir them around from time to time for around eight minutes or so. And after that time period has finished, once it seems like the noodles are now no longer as stiff, you're gonna wanna go ahead and remove the saucepan 
from the top of the stovetop. You're then going to want to turn off the stovetop. After you've done this, you're going to want to drain the water that's inside of the saucepan by either using a colander and by putting the uh, noodles into one of those and letting the water drain through the openings in that, or you can just want to tilt the saucepan sideways and using an object to prevent the noodles from falling in the hopes that the water will drain out. At this point, your spaghetti is finished, and you can now add in pasta sauce and Parmesan cheese on top, along with any other ingredients if you want to to finish it off. And that is how you make spaghetti. Thank you so much to Noah for that spaghetti. And now we are going to have our next guest come in and they are going to show us their process. Tell us what your name is. Hello, my name is Michaela Koski, and I'm going to show you guys uh, a smoothie that I've made every single day for the past four years. You guys are killing me here. <laughs> <laughs> Between the day you're born Hello, my name is Michaela Koski. I am a fourth year at Davis, graduating this spring, and I'm going to show you the smoothie that I've made every single day since freshman year. Okay, so maybe every single day is a little bit of an overstatement, but for this smoothie, you're just going to need a blender, a knife, and a spoon. The first step is to obviously plug in your blender um, and get that all ready and just to avoid cleanup we're going to cut and add everything right into the blender. So first things first is you're going to slice the bananas right into the blender. The next step, which might come as a shock, um, will actually be adding a spoonful of peanut butter or any kind of nut butter right on top of the bananas. Um, I do this step early and place the nut butter right in the middle um, so that it doesn't stick into the walls of the blender, um, which makes cleanup easier. And so after you have added that peanut butter, you're going to add a handful of frozen berries right on top of the nut butter. And I like these because I can use them whenever I want so I don't have to worry about fresh berries going bad. Um, you can freeze your bananas too. Um, and then after the frozen berries, you are going to add a dollop of Greek yogurt and drizzle over some honey on this Greek yogurt. The last ingredient is just to fill your creation about a half away with any milk of your choice. I usually opt for almond milk. Um, and then go ahead and blend it. Um, after this, you're going to pour out your smoothie. It's going to be the most delicious smoothie you've ever tasted, and you're going to be able to have it every single day. And the cleanup is even easier. So just fill up your blender with some water and soap and click on the easy clean function. And now you've got a gorgeous smoothie and little to no cleanup. So get ready to take on your day. All right, thank you so much, Michaela. I'm over here taking notes. I need to know how to make some smoothies. Smoothies are hard to make. Yeah, I need to be healthy over here. <laughs> it's not exactly. really working out for me. 
And we're going to have our next guest come in, and now they're going to show you their process. Hi, today I'm going to present a piece uh, about the process how of a jazz blue mix improvisation was created in the hospital at 2021 during the craziest time of the pandemic. After a long day of hard work, a nurse went to play the piano at the first floor of the hospital hall. The music comforts patients and doctors in the hospital under this stressful environment and gave them a space to breathe. When the video of her playing in the hospital distributed to the social media, it became so popular that the music was transcribed. In this audio story, it was a version played by myself. So let's listen. That was beautiful, and that was you playing the piano. Yes. <gasps> wow, we have to have a talent show on here. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Thank and now you. we're going to have our next guest come on, and they are going to show us what they got. Hi, this is Sihan. The process mix topic today is how to make a dry flower. Dry flower is a way to preserve the beauty and extend life of your flowers. This is especially useful for flowers that have sentimental value, such as wedding bouquets. Like dry flowers can be used in a variety or decorative items, such as garlands, centerpieces, and floral arrangements. They add a rustic and timeless touch to any space. Dry flowers can be used in a variety of craft projects, such as making flower scents, 
fragrance bags and pressed flowers art. They can also be used to make homemade beauty products such as soap and lotion. Like drying flowers is a way to reduce waste and utilize flowers that might otherwise go into waste. It's a great way to be more environmentally friendly and sustainable. Making dry flower requires removing the water from the flowers while maintaining their shape and color. Some flowers are better suited for drying than others. Flowers with low moisture content such as rose, lavender, and violets are ideal for drying. Then shrimp, the flowers from the foliage and trim the stems to the desired length. Got several stems together and tie them tightly with string and rubber bands. Make sure the flowers are evenly spaced and not too tight. After that, hanging up the bouquet upside down in a warm, dry, and a dark place. Avoid directly sunlight and damp areas. Flowers will take several weeks to dry completely. Once the flowers are completely dry, remove them from the bunch and use them in the craft, decoration, and flower scents. Finally, you can spray your perfume on it with your favorite flavor. You will have your internal flower. Thank you. All right, there you go, an eternal flower. How beautiful. And now we are going to have our next guest come in. Are they going to introduce their name? They are. We hope so. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I'm Amy. I'm doing. I'm going to do a quick, like, get ready with me makeup tutorial. For those interested in makeup or want to learn more, or for anyone in between. Um, I first like to start off using this um, serum um, form of primer on my face just to like hydrate my face. After this, I like to apply primer, makeup primer. I like to use um, Refi's face primer, the Glow and Sculpt. Once I'm done applying primer, I let that sit for a while and then I like to apply my closest concealer and I like to add that anywhere where I have any dark circles, blemishes, and so forth. After I apply that, I like to spray a little airbrush flawless finish setting spray by Charlotte Tilbury and let that sit for a minute and then I like to move on to my brows. I like to use the e.l.f. brow lift and I slowly comb my brows up with the spoolie and I just also let that sit for a minute. Once I'm done with the brows, I like to move back to my face and add some Fenty Beauty blush and I apply that on my cheeks, my nose, and sometimes on my forehead. Once I'm done with the blush, I like to move on to my eyelashes. My eyelashes, I just curl them really quickly with an eyelash curler and then I apply the Benefit Bad Gal Bang Mascara. Once I'm done with that, I like to apply the Airbrush Flawless Setting Spray by Charlotte Tilbury just to rehydrate and set the whole face together so it lasts you all day. After this, I apply a little bit of the Charlotte Tilbury Flawless, flawless Finish Powder I apply a bit under my eyes and around my nose. You would apply this normally to your oily areas so that um, your makeup lasts. And finally, I like to add a little gloss and maybe a little bit more setting spray. 
and that's that's it thank you all for listening that now you guys know how to put your makeup on in case you need to know thank you i don't know how to put on makeup (laughs) yeah me neither but we just learned today and we are gonna have our next guest come in he's very special very (laughs) good morning davis listeners i am about to teach you something very exciting hope you enjoy good morning davis listeners do you want to make movies well good news today I'm gonna teach y'all how to make a movie. Well, how do you make a movie? Very, very simple. There are only three things you need to do to make a movie. Three things, it's that easy. Well, first and foremost, you need to write a script. Now, if you can't write in longhand, or on a typewriter, just like the good old days, you can write a script on your computer. Now, after you've written the script, what do you do? Simple. You shoot the movie. Wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, wait, hang on, hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay, listeners, I know you're probably thinking, I don't have a film camera, film's too expensive. Well, we live in the digital age. You can use a DSLR camera to make your movie. Now, after you've shot your movie, What do you do with the footage? Simple, you edit it all together. Now, back in the good old days, film was exclusively edited on film. But as I said earlier, we live in a digital age, so all you have to do to edit your movie is to go on your computer, upload all your footage, download DaVinci for free, or if you're rich, buy Premiere Pro, and start editing your movie. All right, just to recap my wonderful listeners, to make a movie, you write a script, you shoot the movie, and you edit the movie. If you follow these three things, you can make a movie. Best of luck to all my aspiring filmmakers out there, and I'll see you in the next one from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Thank you. Thank you, Samir. That was awesome. Incredible. I I now feel like a professional filmmaker. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to go make a movie right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now we have our next guest right here. Yeah, it's me. Hello. (laughs) Introduce yourself for us. Okay, hello. Hello, Mom. It's me, Miguel. All right. Okay, Miguel, what do you have in plan in store for us? Um, What I have here is how um, I pre-trip my car before I drive out back home before I drive. So this is what I normally do to make sure I don't crash. Very excited. Great. Hello, everybody. My name is Miguel, and the process I'm going to show here is how I pre-trip my car uh, before a long drive. I don't live close around Davis. I live around Bakersfield, so that's like a four-hour drive. And the last thing I need is my car to break down. What I do is I simply check the pressure tires, check the coolant levels. All right, so for me to check the tire pressure, I have this digital pressure gauge that not only tells me the PSI of the tires, but also can inflate it. Now I'm just going to grab the battery off the charging port. Should be good. And clip it in. Battery. Battery's now in. Yep, it works. So I have coolant in the back of my car just in case. So I'm just gonna cut a water bottle in half and use the top half of the water bottle as my funnel. Got it. Just gonna take 
paper towel real quick and just wipe off any excess water. Last thing I need is water mixing in with my coolant. This coolant is a mixture that is made of antifreeze and water. The liquid ensures that the car engine does not overheat. Checking coolant antifreeze levels frequently is necessary to prevent your engine from overheating. I read that off of Google. Now that I'm here, I'm gonna take off the little tire caps. Took off the tire cap. Now I'm just going to put the digital pressure gauge on the little air thing on the tire. Now do a quick test. Okay, it's telling me 36 PSI. So what I need now is either 37 and a half to 38 PSI. Tire one done. Tire two done. Tire three done. Tire four done. All right, now time for the coolant. Take the bottle cap and now time to open the hood. All right, now that I'm in front of the car, there is latch. I'm gonna twist the coolant cap open. Coolant bottle, close it, put everything back. Okay. okay, thank you so much. There you go. For under two minutes, you can have Miguel come work on your car. <laughs> so <laughs> we're, fun. <laughs> we're gonna have our next guest come on and have them introduce themselves. All right, hi. It's good to be here. I'm Amanda, and this is my video. Hi all, I'm Amanda, and today I'm going to be talking about the basic mechanisms of the sport water polo. So the best way that I can describe water polo to somebody, it's like soccer, but with your hands and you're treading water the whole time. So you obviously get in the pool. Then you're gonna want to hear the whistle. And once you hear that whistle, it's game time. So you need to tread water in order to get yourself afloat. And the way that water polo players tread water is this method called egg beating. And it's when you move your legs in an egg beating motion, much like an egg, egg beater, hence the name. And then once somebody has the ball, it starts in the middle of the field. And in this case, the field is the middle of the pool. They then pass it to their teammates and the goal of this game is to get as many points as possible. And in order to do that, the players must shoot the ball into their opposing team's goal. Players do this by passing the ball to their teammates or they swim with the ball across the field if the defense isn't right on them and then they shoot. And whoever has the most points at the end of the game wins. That's all I have for you all I hope you enjoyed learning about the basic mechanisms of the sport water polo. Sploosh, sploosh. <laughs> there you go, water polo. Anybody who wants to know, contact Amanda. Yeah, I felt really soothing the water noises. Don't you think? Very nice, very yeah. nice for the morning. You're very nice for the morning. And now we have our next guest. And if they can introduce themselves. All right, hello everyone. I'm Jalen, and I'm gonna be teaching you how to start up in Minecraft. Nice. 
is the Alright, hello, my name is Jalen, and I'm going to be teaching you all how to play the game Minecraft. So if you don't know what Minecraft is, it's basically a sandbox game where you can do whatever you want, and, but I'm playing survival mode, which means that I have to gather resources in order to survive. So uh, with all Minecraft survival worlds, you'll usually start by punching down a tree so that way you can gather wood. Uh, wood is especially important because it's going to lead us to the most important tool in the entire game, the crafting table. So in order to craft it, we're going to open our inventory and then we're going to put some oak logs into the crafting menu. Then we'll get four oak planks which we can then turn into a crafting table. So with that crafting table, we're going to go ahead and craft our first tool which will be our wooden pickaxe. Go ahead and put two sticks and then three wooden planks into the crafting table. And there we go, it's a wooden pickaxe. So then from there, we're going to go ahead and go to the stone and collect three stone in order to make a stone pickaxe, which is the next sort of tier of tool that you can make. Go ahead and put two sticks and then three stone, the same we did with the wood pickaxe. Thank you so much. And now we're going to get our next guest, Lucy. Lucy. She was our sound engineer last time. Very, very talented. Hello, Hi. everyone. This is Lucy, and I'm. this is my process mix. Today, I'll be teaching you how to make pasta. First, we're gonna fill up the pot with water. Then we're gonna add some salt to the water to make sure the pasta has taste. Then we're gonna put the pot onto the stove and turn on the heat. We're gonna let the water sit for a while until it boils. This should take about three to four minutes. Don't worry, everyone. Now that the water's boiled, let's prepare the pasta. You can add as much pasta as you want. If you don't think that's enough, you can add some more. Once the pasta's in the pot, we're gonna let it cook for about eight to 10 minutes, although it does depend on the type of pasta you're using. I'm using linguine for reference. Now that the pasta's done cooking, let's turn off the heat and take out our pasta. If you have a strainer, you can pour the contents of the pot into the strainer, as I'm doing here. 
Make sure you do it over the sink so you don't get water everywhere. Now we're going to put that aside and focus on the sauce. For this recipe, we're just going to use some sauce that comes in a jar. The one I'm using is called Forchi's Alfredo, but you can use any that you like. So for the sauce, we're just going to reuse the pot that the pasta was cooking in. After we open our jar of sauce, we're going to pour out its contents into the pot. Turn on the heat and let it cook. Make sure to stir the sauce continuously so it doesn't burn. After about 2-3 to three minutes, the sauce should be warm enough. Let's turn off the heat and finish up our pasta. Let's get some plates out of the cabinet, but if you prefer, you can use bowls or even cups. Once we have our plates, let's first scoop out some pasta from the strainer. Next, we're going to scoop out the sauce onto our pasta. Finally, just to spice things up a little, we're going to add some shredded cheese on top. I'm using parmesan, but you can use any cheese that you like. And we're done. Congrats, you just made pasta. Hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. I guess I'll never be free Since you, since you got your hooks in on me Hello, my name is Sam. Hi, Sam. Hi, wondered. Sam. What's up? How's it going? You got everything good? Yeah, we're good to everything go. Everything's Have you ever wondered while you were making a sandwich, if there was a way to perfect such a culinary creation? Well, you're in luck, because today I'm gonna tell you how to make the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Now we're gonna start with two slices of bread, one jar of peanut butter, one jar of jam or jelly, one plate, and one butter knife. We're gonna take the bread, put it on the plate, and we're gonna take our butter knife and put it into the peanut butter jar. We're gonna take a nice thick helping of peanut butter and slather it onto one of the slices of bread. Now you might be thinking it's time to go for the jam, but hold on. First, we're gonna go back into the peanut butter, put a little bit less of a coating onto the other slice of bread, and now we're ready for the jam. Now the reason we put peanut butter on both slices of bread is so that the jam doesn't inevitably go and seep into the bread, making a really gross handling experience when eating the sandwich. But now that we've got peanut butter on both sides, we're safe, we're ready to go. Now let's dive into the jam. You can take as much or as little as you want. I personally like a lot, so I'm gonna put a lot onto it. And you're gonna put it on, make sure to put it onto the slice of bread with less peanut butter on it. Now that the entire sandwich is covered in condiments, we're gonna put both pieces of bread together and use our butter knife to cut a diagonal line into the sandwich, making two big triangles. Now we can get rid of our butter knife, put it in the dishwasher, whatever you want to do. And now we can take a bite of the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's good, right? Yeah? You trying it? Yeah? Yeah, it's good. And there you have it, folks. That is how you make the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Thank you all for having me. Um, and I hope that your sandwiches continue to be great. Thank you so much, Sam. And now we have our next guest. Yeah, thank you so much. We really appreciated your peanut butter and jelly farts and sandwiches. <laughs> they were really tasty. Hello, everyone. This is Miss Juanita. And today I'm going to demonstrate to you guys how to install the IKEA shoe rack and give some my own suggestions that cannot be read in the installation manual. You know, as a college student who lives alone, or to many of you listeners, I mean, whoever lives alone should have the knowledge to assemble some furniture 
and let's go after unpacking the package and remove all the wrapping paper my first suggestion is that place the parts separately on the ground or a desk it allows you to find the required parts quicker So the first step is inserting the tube which are used to support the shoe when the installation is finished into the wood strips and then you secure them with the screws. Here pay attention to the placement orientation of the wood strips and the choice of the tube because there are in total um, 8 tubes in the package. Be sure to take the tube with the screw holes. Here, an electric screwdriver is recommended. So here's my second suggestion. If you don't have an electric screwdriver, just get one. It saves you time and energy. Assembling a simple shoe rack is not that hard. Everything you'll need to do is inserting the tube with the wood strips and screw them together. The installation manual got you. My last suggestion is that before you tighten all the screws, make sure the shoe rack does not sway from side to side when you place it on the floor. Alright, thank you, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Now on to our next guest. Well, introduce yourself for us, huh, will you? Yeah? Will you? Oh, she has her introduction. Oh, okay, then. She's going to introduce herself on the, on the process. Gotcha, gotcha. Hi, everyone. Good morning. I'm Liang. Today, I'll show you the process of making caramel pudding. The ingredients we need to use are sugar, eggs, milk, and light cream. Step 1. We need to boil the sugar to caramelize it. In a saucepan, add 50 grams of sugar and 50 grams of water and turn on medium low heat. Without stirring, when the sugar turns red brown, add 20 grams of boiling water and shake well. Pour the caramel into the pudding cup while it is still hot and spread it all over the bottom. Step 2. Boil the caramel in a pot without washing and pour in 250 grams of milk, 50 grams of light cream and 30 grams of sugar directly and cook it over medium heat till warm. Pour the warm milk into the egg mixture. Step 3. When the caramel in the bottom is solidified, pour in the egg mixture and wrap the quilt with tin foil 
to prevent it from drying out. Step 4. Put the pudding cups into a container. Pour in about 2 cm of warm water and bake in an oven at 155 Celsius for 15 minutes. Step 5. Pour a baked pudding onto a plate and the caramel pudding is done. So this is the whole process of making caramel pudding. If you are interested, you can make your own. Thanks for your listening. You guys got me really hungry with all these food processes, okay? What about you, Erica? Super delicious. I want some caramel pudding. It sounds super duper bomb. Yeah. And our next guest is going to come in and introduce himself. Uh, hi, I'm Kai Chi. Uh, from Yusuf Davis. How to start shooting a film as a cinematographer? Familiarize yourself with the script. Collaborate with the director. Plan and prepare. Equipment selecting. Location scouting. Lighting design. Camera techniques. Collaborate with the camera crew. And action! Post-production. Remember, as a cinematographer, your job is to create visually compelling storytelling through the use of lighting, composition, camera movement, and other visual elements. Collaboration, planning, and attention to detail are key to capturing the director's vision and creating a visually stunning film. Thank you, thank you. Now we're gonna go to the next guest, which is me. So I hope you guys enjoy. Uh, I think we're yo, good. yo, 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 what up, Davies? It's me, Donuts, back at it again alongside your favorite radio morning broadcasters. I'm gonna do something a little unconventional here. I know a lot of people are probably going to give you an applicable skill you will be able to use in your day-to-day, like tips on making a puzzle or cooking your favorite rice dish. However, I'm here to give you the process of healing because I don't think it's talked about enough. Am I an expert? I wish. But ever since COVID, (coughs) a lot of us can agree on how miserable we've become in isolation. Now that spring is here and COVID is seamlessly turning into another flu-like variant that may visit us if we forget to take our shots, we can finally now start the process of coming into ourselves. How do we do that, donuts? 
That is a very good question, little person. The Berkeley Wellbeing Institute states how self-critical people can become. It's like constantly punching yourself in the stomach. Ow! That's right. Ow. You should give yourself the benefit of the doubt by practicing self-compassion and love. Try to set boundaries. Talk to yourself in an understanding manner. The other process would be to get more sleep. And lastly, mindful meditation through journaling, praying, or listening to soothing music will for sure speed up the process. By following these steps, I know you could do it. Remember, you're the only person you're going to have to live with for the rest of your life. Take it one step at a time to become the best version of who you were made out to be. And have a wonderful Thursday morning. Okay, thank you, thank you, myself. (laughs) Great advice from Donya. And that is the end of the radio production class and their processes. How about that, Donya? How was it? I think it went pretty good. I mean, um, I think the music was bomb. Everyone else did bomb. We all bombed it. Not like as in bomb, as in like Allahu Akbar bomb, but like. Everybody was great. Like in a good bomb way. Yeah, incredible bomb, like delicious. Yeah, like like amazing bomb. Yeah, like pew. <laughs> and everybody did food. A lot of people did food. Yeah, uh, yeah, they did food and made me really hungry. I um will kind of hate you guys for the rest of the day because I'm gonna be hungry for the rest of the day. But what about you, Erica? I I enjoyed it all. I was taking notes over here. You know, I'm not a very good cook, so a lot of these are pretty great because uh, I'm not I'm not good at cooking. But uh, but we live and we learn. And today, this has been Erica and Donya, and you are tuned into KDRT ninety five point seven Davis, California, where the grassroots grow. Where the grassroots grow. This hour of KDRT programming is underwritten by Berryessa Brewing Company a craft brewery and tap room featuring a rotating selection of fresh brews, live music, and a relaxed atmosphere on the patio. Open Thursday through Sunday and located at 27260 Highway 128 Winters. Information at BerryessaBrewingCo.com.